0: This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,512, recorded April 14, 2000. For those of you keeping score, I will read first, no matter what it says in your TV guide. While it is true that to ever reach the goal a man must first study himself relentlessly and vigorously, it is equally so that he must eventually discover for himself the need to pay no heed to himself in a special manner of speaking. "'Tis here that the bush leaguers are called from the big leaguers. The latter's rallying cry could, in fact, be said to be, quote, I used to listen to everyone, now I listen to no one. Now there is a big leaguer. Oh, and he says that includes himself. And on a different note, how you can tell that you have achieved fame in the secondary world, you begin to refer to yourself in the third person and blithely expect others to find your doing so to be quite natural. Also, anyone who says that they are changing the subject, if they know what they're talking about, hasn't. But if you know what you're talking about, you can't. You'll see. If you live in an area wherein burglaries are indigenous and inescapable, There is but one method of dealing with the intruders which is permanently satisfying. Indifference. We who live in this closed in universe have nothing of value that can be lost. So what other intelligent view is possible concerning imaginary losses? One voice in a man's yellow circuit declared to another, You Waste my time. And the second yellow circuit voice retorted, how is that possible? And the first voice admitted, I'm not exactly sure, but it sure seems as though you do. Want a cheap endless hobby? Trying to rid your house of imaginary rats. You see the difference between the train ride from Paris to Istanbul and the plane trip there is that in the air you ponder the question, who is the exterminator and who is the Vernum? Varmage. Man's secondary world consists of 20% politics, 20% religion, and 90% gossip. And speaking of the sacred, there is a cult that says after you die, you go not to heaven or hell, but to a place called equium. Wherein, if you took your life seriously, you are ridiculed and made fun of for as much time as is left in eternity. Or if you didn't, you're pretty much left alone without references being made, without irritating references being made to your previous life. You i never run across that cult personally, but that's downright appealing to me. You do right, and after you die, you're pretty much just left alone. <laughs> hey, God left a message for you while you were out. I thought you guys told me this was heaven. <laughs> Note, a few people try as they might. I interrupted the flow. Remember, I've just described what this one cult says is your one destination. There's just one where there's two possibilities. If you took your life seriously, then for the rest of eternity or whatever's left of it, you're continually ridiculed and made fun of. And if you didn't take it seriously, then you're pretty much left alone. Note, a few people try as they might to bring this dreamed of faraway future paradise into existence for them in this life. No irritating references made to one's previous life, huh? Sounds like heaven to me, says one guy. Footnote Although the sect does not preach of dual afterlife destinations, a few of its members do picture a kind of hell, a place wherein you yourself endlessly mock and berate the life you (coughs) led. which I didn't write down, but another guy thought about that and he went, well, that pretty much sounds like hell now. That's what I've been doing. (laughs) Too late, sir, to get in. If I didn't write you down, I'd like for the jury to ignore that last comment. Headline, yet one more view of the difference. No one, (coughs) yellow circuit-wise, no one knows what's going on. Ordinary people accept this, although they oftentimes like to pretend otherwise, but they know that they don't. Anyway, ordinary people accept the fact that they don't in the yellow circuit know what's going on, but people like us refuse to accept this. And more than that, a few within the few, even after realizing that they refuse to accept that their yellow circuit doesn't know, even refuse to accept that realization. Well, if you thought that was oblique, if you had trouble, you're in for a hard, <laughs> you know, a hard other 17 or 18 pages. Anyway, ordinary people, see, accept the fact that in the yellow circuit, they don't know what's going on, they accept it. Not point out that a few, that is, those who would be waker uppers, refuse to accept it. But even within that select group is a smaller subgroup who refuse to even acknowledge the fact or accept the fact that they have seen that their yellow circuit doesn't know what's going on. That's where we are. Back to the reading. I started to say that, those, that these are my kind of guys, but I don't even know for sure that there any, are any of them out there. The history of this sort of activity makes no specific mention of this type, which would lead one to consider that maybe they do not exist. Or maybe they're not worth mentioning. Or maybe they're not recognizable. Oh, and one more possibility struck me. Maybe such men were so embarrassed by what they attempted that they bribed historians to leave them unnoted. One man's private motto is, be my guest. I think it takes a special talent to misspell my. One walled city had a lookout who sat atop a tall pole, constantly scanning the surroundings for danger, a most important and inarguably important, a most and inarguably important assignment. But when things outside the wall were quiet, which was most of the time, the lookout drove the people inside bonkers with a nonstop stream of babble. One of the inhabitants, in fact, developed his own private epigram, bearing on the matter. Epigrammed he, quote, might be better to have brilliant fireworks outside the city than lethargy inside. He based this on his perception that eyes are made for seeing what's going on and not for listening to the endless telling of meaningless fairy tales. The condition of being deluded as opposed to being enlightened is one in which a person's thoughts are are greatly vexed by not having a head-on fixed picture of exactly what they are and what their role is. Even car fanciers hate a Buick since no one knows what the hell the name means or how it is connected to the machine's assumed purpose. Mm -hmm. Folks, I guess we're talking... As Calvin might say, industrial strength metaphors. (laughs) They're there. A father told his son, here is how man's social world reflects his three inner circuits. Cities reflect the red circuit, farms the yellow, and sporting events the blue circuit. And the lad strongly objected, that sure doesn't sound right. And it's not right, replied his father. So why'd you say it, asked the son. And the elder replied, so as to highlight the lack of distinction between that which sounds right and that which doesn't. And a mighty lesson that is. <laughs> On your initial trip to the goal, everything concerning the journey sounds right. On your second time over the course, everything about it sounds Suspect. And on subsequent ones of a substantially altered character, everything thought, said, read, or heard pertaining to the reality of the goal is seen to constitute an attractive nuisance to which a savvy traveler's only possible response is indifference. I can't resist pointing out, I did years ago, for those of you who forgot, Attractive nuisance is in the legal field. It was originally intended to uh, such attractions as an empty, the original one was a train house roundabout where they turn around engines, but it became to include empty swimming pools. It would be anything that would attract a young child beyond lower than the age of reason, that would be so attractive and so dangerous as to bring him in to its sphere of influence. And so even though inherently, a train turnaround is not dangerous to anyone, to any kid that happened to come by and see that thing turning around, he'd be tempted to jump on it and won't play. So I point out to you that on your subsequent trips, after your first one or two of ever reaching the goal, having an experience states wherein By some measure, you are awake, you're enlightened. You realize that life is what it is regardless of what anybody says. That on any subsequent trips, if you don't stop there, then it gets to the point where anything that's ever said that you think that's been written about the reality of what the goal is is no longer just suspect, but it has become an attractive Nuisance. And I point out to you that under those conditions, a man who has been there many enough times to know what life's about in his more lucid moments, that his only proper response, the only permanently useful one, is indifference. Not only to a nuisance, but indifference to what I must admit, or I admit, is an attractive nuisance. God playing with that dog is fun, said the man. Back to the reading, some who have completed the metaphysical journey from Paris to Istanbul and who realize finally its metaphorical if not illusionary nature yet find themselves faced with the opportunity to take the trip again on a higher level of the non-existent. It apparently is possible that some mirrors who manage to see themselves for what they are Will nonetheless go to go on to undertake an investigation of the actual construction of such reflecting devices. based upon the most literal or even based upon the most liberal or even conservative reading of what has historically been said about the achievement of enlightenment, retracing your steps thereto at a higher order is not required. seems but an option apparently available for the few within the few with nothing more pressing to do. Among an obscure tribe on one planet, the three main hobbies are starting fires, going to see fires burn, and the third one of shouting fire in a crowded theater wherein you're the only occupant. Then observing your reaction to the fraudulent menace. (laughs) Told you it'd get worse, it's better. Those who believe that life has somehow knocked them into a less than full state of consciousness have been mugged by make-believe miscreants. Or if you care to be more blunt, the feeling that one is asleep and living in a world of dreams arises in a few men solely from their thoughts' inability to comprehensively grasp the nature of themselves in a permanent fashion. Some mysterious mysticism, huh? <clears throat> For the assigned essay, one man chose his topic, What I Like About Drinking, which went as follows. What I like about drinking is that it not only puts me fast asleep, but also destroys even the illusion that I might be otherwise. And thus, that is why I hate about drinking. The end. Even though it cannot be adequately described nor proven, every man who wakes up retraces the evolution of the nervous system's yellow circuit. And one chap said, Well, no wonder I went from feeling like a dinosaur to feeling like a canary. And now to merely feeling like a warm-blooded lizard. <laughs> he is obviously one of those I've been mentioning who kept on going even after having once reached the Turkish capital. Headline, a highly significant cosmic, cosmic, bosmic, interplanetary, and then otherwise fact. Every single thing in the universe has the potential to distract you and put you to sleep. And while there is an endless supply of proposed methods to awaken you from this sleep, only one has the great poobah's personal seal of approval and guarantee. The method of total indifference to the things that put you to sleep. And now, theological update that is beyond the grasp of the grasping. Hell is filled with those who care. Paradise with those who don't. Note, most traveling toward the latter are stuck somewhere in between. Note, The solution to this quandary is through a precise, scientific understanding of the nature of yellow circuit indifference, regarding the yellow circuit. The first time you wake up, you realize that there is no end to the questions that can be asked. The second time you awaken, you realize that there is an endless supply of answers to all questions and none of them of any significance. The third time you have the arousal experience, you realize that questions and answers are the same thing and equally meaningless. And if you press on and insist on seeing what happens after that, you're faced with a challenge of a totally different order than the one you began with. Initially, seeking enlightenment is the seeking to see through illusion. Anything beyond that goal is a seeking to hold on to your own hands. Anything beyond that goal is a seeking to hold in your own hands illusions themselves. One guy's personal slogan is, be my guest. Update of an earlier story. The history of an individual man's enlightenment is the history of his yellow circuit's development. Run backwards. And right here, let's stop. Everyone take a deep breath. Silently count to 14 while trying to forget much of what I've already read tonight. And now we'll continue. Headline, another view of a certain matter. A man who would take the same trip twice is either stupid or weak. Note, there is a position from which this view is unassailable. Note, there is also a position of weakness and stupidity from which it can be assailed. Note, when it concerns matters of thought, every view is both assailable and not, which is why a sly man cultivates a field of indifference. I also feel obliged to acknowledge one additional fact regarding this matter. Indifference toward a wild elephant who continually invades your property and disturbs your peace is insufficient unless you have a definitive understanding of the beast. To achieve the enlightenment related to indifference, one must first pin down the mad butterfly and make it be still. And as noted above, those who don't do this are surely either just weak or stupid. What other possibility is there? Oh yeah, and another thing. Just like you can't talk and listen at the same time, you also can't be awake and be thinking about it simultaneously. Not hardly. And I commend for your consideration once again the idea of indifference. The yellow circuit's dispassionate disinterest in its own mechanical operations, so as to render a man impersonal toward his own life, his own life as he perceives it to be through the auspices of his thinking about it. Indifference in the red or blue circuits would spell disaster but in the yellow, for the few, it spells glorious and eye-opening relief. It's one thing to finally stabilize your sight sufficiently to see an honest reflection of yourself in the ever-running river of the yellow circuit, but it is something else altogether to ever be able to stabilize your seeing of yourself, so stabilizing the sight of your reflection. And one man's hard-fought-for attitude is, be my guest. Directed to his yellow circuit, you understand. Just picture it. Standing aside, and with a sweep of his arm to indicate the yellow circuit's right-of-way, you indifferently say, be my guest. Two things. One is, some more about what I brought up last time and brought up a lot more in the writing tonight. There is a place that I have really no serious notion that any of you are in on a permanent or even a very regular basis, but at any rate, I'm still going to talk to you about it. We're in the struggle to do anything becomes, and I can't say useless, because the struggle to do something has never been useless. It becomes less profitable than it could be. Okay, I'll say it's useless. I mean, if everybody's going to shuffle their feet and cough like that, Jesus, right, it's useless. Oh, I can do better than that. It's useless compared to what you could do. No, it's useless. No, wait, wait. Is anybody doing it to yourself like thinking, well, he must, it must be useless to try and describe it. Uh, no, wait, uh, the two things. The one is still about indifference, the reality behind the word. The word's not bad, it's as good as any word I know. But you gotta know, you gotta be able to feel it because it is a yellow circuit indifference. And although the yellow circuit's apparent passions are all stolen, they're all bleed overs, they're all shams, that is for a man to sound passionate about the defense of his religion, his culture, is idiocy. It's a sham. I put it to you last time I news news item that the more passionate, the more yellow circuit passion a man displays in whatever he's talking about, the dumber he is. And people know it. Everybody understands that when you get passionate about ideas, that something funny's going on. Oh, shoot. Uh, I I was doing that for theatrical effect. I I, I wasn't actually. Everyone understands that it's what I'm saying. They understand that something is fishy. But on the basis, it doesn't, since they don't have the aim that we do anyway, it doesn't do them any good or harm, but I simply was going to point out, people understand it's fishy on the basis that someone is is talking, writing, either way, passionate about an idea, a religion, let's say, or a political system. Anyone who's overhearing it, or especially the recipient of someone's passionate discourse on the benefits of religion X over religion Y, someone who is at the receiving end of this, or someone who's listening and they're interested they know something special on this basis. They know that the person's passionate promotion of this one religion can be quite readily countered by the same argument from the other view. In other words, people know, people's yellow circuit knows that there is no such thing as an objective, unassailable totally defensible, stable, product of the yellow circuit. There's no such thing as an objective mental truth. And people know it. It doesn't change them involving themselves in it. And it especially comes out when someone is being passionate about an idea. They are exposing their dumbness, their stupidity, and not their stupidity about, let's say, if they're passionately defending or promoting a religion. You understand, of course, I don't mean their stupidity about the religion. I mean their stupidity about all things that, that derive or arise from the yellow circuit, man's secondary reality. Even though the secondary reality, I don't know whether I stress this enough probably deserves its own light to me sometime. It is the secondary and primary reality, my models, the ones I made up and refer to, they are as overlapped, intertwined, amalgamated, interlaced, inseparable, as are man's three circuits, my model of that. When it comes down to it, there are no such thing as three circuits. When it comes down to it, there is no such thing, or are no such things as a primary world and a secondary world because the secondary world comes from one of man's circuits, according to my model, and I just got through saying that from, the truth is, the circuits are not separate, and so even though I say that man's secondary world derives, or arises as a product total of man's yellow circuit, okay, be that as it may, but I just said his yellow circuit is totally inseparable from all his other circuitry. There is no such thing, except for the sake of verbal diagramming. So there. So it is a mental, it is a yellow circuit indifference I speak of. The other thing, I said there were two things, I'm gonna try it again. The one I've mentioned at least twice in the last six months is being what I would like, if I could instill, if I could stick something in everybody's brain that would become your call celebrate. It would be this. The way I put it to you in the past, to, bring you up to date in case some of you want to try and orient yourself. As I've said, trying to run with a continual question of what is it in me? What is it right this second that I think is me, that I assume is me? What is it? And of course not accepting some answer like, well, it's my consciousness. It's my yellow circuit. It's my mind. It's the voice in me. No, 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 no. Scrap all that, if that's all I'm in. I wouldn't bring up the question. You have to be able to ask yourself and already discard any answer you know. Because none of those answers mean anything. None of those descriptions. What you're looking for is a feeling of what is it right now in me? Because you know this yellow circuit would is the one who asked the question. They would say, What is it in me? The yellow circuit as always, since it's the only one that speaks, has, shall I put it, an immediate tendency to in some way credit and or blame itself, but to look to itself when it says, what right now is the source of me? What is it right now that I feel is me, that's living my life, what is it? And with all due humility, yellow circuit, is very inclined. Of course, if yours has the patina of being intelligent, it might sort of look around like it's pondering, like what could the possibilities be? But if you'll notice very shortly, I would, I would say in a matter of seconds, if not milliseconds, it's already lit on the prime suspect. Well, my, my, little old me if you will note there is no feeling to that. There's no passion to it. By it saying, well, I guess it's me. My assertion with my magical abilities is is that that line of reasoning, that conclusion has never awakened anyone to the reality of what's going on. You're looking for a feeling. The way I was going to try to put it to you differently tonight, and the obliqueness that I referred to when I warned you that it was going to get worse tonight in the midst of the reading, was I wrote several little stories and metaphors about some men retracking the trip, or about being awake enough to realize such and such. Or to make it simple, as I already did extemporaneously, you know, being awake from one view, the experience of being awake, the first time. You could be a virgin at it, and if you speculate on such matters, you could say it was probably the weakest, assuming you're going to have more, that you've had more, that the first time was the weakest. And yet it revealed the basis, it revealed to you the basic material of what being awake, of being enlightened is. And that is, you realized for a period of time that life is simply what it is regardless of what anybody, including you, says. Sounds very pedestrian, very unmystical, but I'll be goddamned if that doesn't cover it from top to bottom. You simply see that life is what it is. I could even cut it down, I just passed explanation. You simply see that life is what it is regardless. And if you insist, regardless, followed by an ellipsis, you fill it in. That life is what it is, regardless. But then, the state flees. It ebbs. It drifts away. And I know that people will say that it changed their life. But once it drifts away, once you're back, and I'm not saying that it does not, maybe not the first time, but a few of those experiences, at least with my kind of people, which would surely be the only ones that ever have it more than once, it does affect at least a low-level permanent alteration in a person. I don't think, I think I'm safe saying that. But that does not stop a person when they're back in the regular state of mind from having their yellow circuit continue to comment on a way that it takes to be meaningful, fact necessary, commentaries on how things are. When the person has seen for themselves before that life is as it is regardless of what anybody says. And of course, in that I include regardless of <throat> what anybody thinks. And at that time, whether you say it this way to yourself or not, you realize well, that's what being enlightened is. It doesn't matter. Or that's what being asleep was, was me thinking it does matter, that it can have some influence, that at times it does have significance what a person thinks about life, their life, themselves. Yet when you're awake, and I don't care what culture, what time period, I don't care who you are. If you're actually, if you've been awake, you know this, that no matter what you say, no matter what you think, no matter what anybody says or thinks, life is what it is. That's being awake. If you got anything else to that, uh, you're just bamboozling yourself. You're dreaming. So, my question that I propose to you is that you take it, that what is it right now in me? All right, even if you have never seen this for yourself, you could take my word for it. You could take my model for it That is your red circuit. It is that area in your brain, I mean your yellow circuit, that one area in your brain that would hear me say the question, propose the question. It would be that part of the brain that would take it with them, take it as a, since I suggested, take it as being a potentially profitable undertaking, and it would be the yellow circuit, that part of the brain that when, and if you did think about it later, to to try and use it, it would be that part that would try and use it. And so you are saying to yourself, that part of the brain is saying to itself, all right, he suggested that I try and get a feel. I constantly am asking myself and looking for a feeling in response to it, but I am going to continually ask myself whenever I can remember to do so, which I am right now, I wouldn't be thinking this. So here I am, what is it? And you're trying to look, you're trying to find a feeling in you. Where is it in me? What is it in me? It's probably better than where, but what is it in me right now that to me is me? there's no doubt it was the yellow circuit. It is that part of your brain that we call the mind. It was thinking in the brain that just asked that, that just remembered that I recommended it and just said it to you or just said it. I don't know when the hell I'm going to quit talking baby talk. Just said it to you. It just said. Now we're getting there. That was it that just said it. Now my question My suggested question that you take about trying to find what is it in me that's running my life? Here's the variation of that. And up to this point in my life, this is the best thing I know to tell, I assume, some of you. All of you, eventually, if you can remember. What I know to be the next stage to go beyond just having the experience which can come and go, which does come and go, is if you could make, here's the new challenge, the variation. To make your brain aware at the moment you're thinking and thinking about this, what I'm about to tell you. At that very moment, to make the brain aware that it's it thinking without the thinking stopping. This may be a viscid model to present to you. But I, all right, that would be the way if there's such a thing as permanent awakening. An absolute final stabilization of what you know to be true, which is simply that life is as it is regardless of what you think. Would be able to make the brain while it's thinking now here's where the feeling is, because it would take a feeling of some kind, I don't know how else to describe it to you, to make the brain right this second that you're, to you, you're thinking so and so. And you must know from experience, and if you don't, trust me, it'll be good for you. It is your brain doing the thinking. There is no other you than your thoughts. You understand, disregarding the total organism, the sense that men talk about and think about themselves. That is simply a manifestation of a certain area of the brain. There is no you except your thoughts. It's to bring on, and it's a feeling. You can try it at first, just intellectually, that is, try it through the mind itself, that you just remind yourself. That right now, me thinking about all this stuff that I'm trying to do and I'm struggling against this and all that, that is nothing but my brain thinking. I know where it is, it's right here in my head. It's to make the brain aware that it's it doing the thinking without the thinking stopping. Because when the thinking stops, you're still asleep or you're back fast asleep you have lost the thread, you have lost the possibility of knowing what it is that's going on, or what it is running your life. All right, just between you and me, I'll put it to you and I'm gonna stop for the night. I'm gonna put it to you, Uh, to me, the super version, and there may be another one, I assume there is, but I'm gonna tell you as far as I'm concerned, The superversion of being awake is the constant felt reality of the fact that your thoughts are your brain. Your thoughts are not a manifestation of you. You are not thinking. You are not trying to control your mind. You are not trying to stop thought. You are not trying to curb thought. You are not trying to... Remodel thought. You're not trying to censor thought. There is no you except thought. And thought is an operation going on in your brain right this second. And it's to make the brain permanently, endlessly aware. I mean, it's not mystical. It's to make the brain. Right now, you can say to yourself, I assume you know it. I assume you accept the fact They're right there. There you sit and you're having thoughts. Thoughts are in your head and you say to yourself, these thoughts are nothing but my brain operating. The brain in my head. Now, all I've got to do is keep that awareness constantly. That's all. That is super, to me, that's my new definition of super illumination. You take the notion, you take the yellow circuit idea of I'm having thoughts or I'm trying not to have thoughts, whatever it is, it is my brain doing it, and you step aside to the brain and you go, well, be my guest. Which of course is somewhat amusing since it will do it anyway since it is it that's saying, well, be my guest. But it's you, it's me trying to get you to extract yourself from this fallacious equation. Factor out the imaginary. Now, what do you got? Well, whatever you got, that's it. Whatever's left, that's it. And what's left is, I don't thank me it's, it's my job to make these complex matters as clear and simple as possible that concludes this talk be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message